Bible series on seeking first the kingdom of God. And so we'll begin in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33. Now notice what Jesus said, but seek ye first the kingdom of God. In other words, God's reign and God's dominion and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. One translation says, seek ye first the reign of God. The kingdom of God is the reign of God. There's two kingdoms in this earth. Thank God we're in the kingdom of God. Amen. You're in the right kingdom when you're a born again Christian. And Jesus talked about the kingdom of God a lot. I mean a lot. He preached about the kingdom of God. And I've understood this, that when I am kingdom minded and I am literally putting his kingdom first, my time becomes valuable to him. And as a result of you putting him first in your life, you can expect him to pour all sorts of resources into your life for the advancement of his cause in the earth. And when I talk about resources, I'm not just talking about money, but it does include money. But it also includes people helping you. It also includes divine connections that there's no way that you could have ever figured out how that was going to happen in your life. But because you sought him first, he's got you and he's opening doors for you that you could never open for yourself. Amen. This covenant that we have with God is an awesome, precious thing. He told us, don't be afraid, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom, literally to give you the reign. So we reign in life as kings by literally taking our place using the authority that he has given to us. And we want to look at several instances where Jesus gave the example of how you and I can use these keys of the kingdom. Amen. Very clear. Now let's go over to Matthew chapter 16, if you would, please. And I want you to again to begin to look at verse 15. Of course, he was asking his disciples, whom do men say that I, the son of man, am? And of course... Uh, They answered, well, some say you're this and some say you're that. But then he said, but what do you say about it? And Peter answered and said in verse 16, Simon Peter answered and said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And then Jesus said to him, you are blessed, Simon Barjona, for this revelation didn't come to you by flesh and blood, but it came to you directly by my Father which is in heaven. It is a good thing to get revelation directly from headquarters. Yeah. Or revelation directly from the spirit of revelation on the inside of you. And then in verse 18 he says, And I say also unto you that you are Peter, but upon this massive rock, upon this huge rock of revelation, I'm going to build my church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. In other words, Peter, you've got this revelation. And as you maintain this revelation, and as this revelation spreads throughout the whole earth, when people understand that I am the Christ, the son of the living God, there's no way hell can do anything about it. He said the gates of hell will not prevail against it. 
Now, here's what we want to center in on tonight. It's involved in verse 19. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. So the first thing I want to say to you tonight is this. Keys denote control and they denote authority. A person with the keys to a building can literally let people in and let people out. When a person has the keys to their automobile, they're the ones that are in control of that automobile. In other words, whoever has got the keys to the car has control of the car. Whoever has got the keys to the pantry. And I like keys to the pantry. Whoever's got the keys to the pantry can open and close, can bind and loose, can lock and unlock, can keep people out or let people into the pantry. Okay? So, whoever has the keys has the control and has the authority. Jesus said once again that I give unto you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth is loosed in heaven. First question I have for you tonight is, do you have the keys? Some of you aren't convinced. Do you, in fact, have the keys of the kingdom? Since we have the keys, should we be using them? You know, keys can look good and look fancy, but keys that are not utilized are no use. So he says, I've given you those keys, but then we're in for a treat tonight. He shows us exactly how to use them. Now I want you to pay particular attention to this, this fact. This, this might be, seem elementary to some of you, but it's very, very big out there in religious land. Jesus said this, I give unto you the keys and whatsoever you bind, you, not God, not praying to God. Oh, God, bind the devil. No, take your place with your keys and whatever you bind, not your pastor, not your best friend. Not the, not the government, but whatever you bind, whatever you loose, is loosed. That's so important to get that. Jesus didn't make a mistake when he gave you the keys. He didn't make a mistake by misquoting that. Religious people will say, well, he meant to say whatever God binds is bound and whatever God loose. Well, then why didn't he say it that way? Now, listen to this statement. Never try to water down the Bible to match your experience. Believe God to elevate your life and experience to match the Bible. And just because perhaps some of these things are not working to its fullness in your life at this point, don't be discouraged. And by all means, don't compromise and back off 
from the revelation that you have been given authority and you've been given the keys, the word, the name, the blood of Jesus. Amen. Say it me, whatever I bind is bound. Now notice, we have to do something here on earth before something happens in heaven. In other words, things have already been settled in heaven, but God's waiting for us to do, take our place and do our part right here, right now. Amen. If we don't bind what needs to be bound, and we don't loose what needs to be loosed, nothing will be done about it. Jesus operated this way. Exactly this way. And... He did it as a man, anointed by the Holy Ghost. And he is your example, and he's my example. For instance, let's look at this man with the withered hand in Matthew chapter 12 and in verse 10. This man with the withered hand in verse 10, and we'll look right on through verse 13. Here's an example of this. And behold, there was a man which had his his hand withered, And they asked him, saying, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath, that they might accuse him? And he said unto them, What man shall there be among you that shall have one sheep? And if it fall into the pit on the Sabbath day, will he not lay hold on it and lift it out? How much more then is a man better than a sheep? Wherefore, is it lawful to do well on the Sabbath days? Now here's verse 13. Then he said to the man... Stretch forth thy hand. And he stretched it forth. And it was restored whole like as the other. Notice with me. Jesus released him from a withered hand. By simply telling him to stretch forth his hand. He didn't stop and pray about it. He didn't have to go out into the wilderness and fast about it. He simply took his place with the keys that he had. I said he simply took his place with the keys that he had. And he simply spoke, stretch forth thy hand. And as he did, it was restored whole as the other. Now look at another example in Luke chapter 11. We'll look at several of them. This will help you when you go about your life in your situations, and in situations in your family's life, even maybe even co-workers. In Luke chapter 11, in verse uh, 11, it says, And behold, there was a woman that had what? Luke, Luke chapter 11, Luke the 11th chapter. And keep going down to the verse 12, verse 13. Okay. Stand by. It's either Luke 11 or Luke 13. I thought it was Luke 11. Luke, the Luke of Earl. It's Luke 13. Excuse me. All you scriptorians out there are helping the pastor tonight. 
So notice in Luke 13, then, is what it was. Luke 13. I believe it's verse 11. All right. We there? Okay. Thank you. And behold, there was a woman which had what? She had a spirit of infirmity. And this spirit of infirmity had been in her life for how many years? Now, the first thing this tells me, when a person comes in contact with Jesus and comes in contact with someone who knows to use the king, keys of the kingdom, it doesn't matter how long it's been in their life. There's nothing too difficult for the Lord. Remember that. And there was a woman which had a spirit of infirmity 18 years and was bowed together, and in no way could she lift up herself. Now notice the next verse in verse 12. And Jesus saw her, he called her to him, And said, here's what I want you to see. He spoke to her. He spoke to her. He said, woman, thou art, what? Thou art loosed from thine, what? Whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. Whatever you, he shut the devil down, did he not? And then he said, woman, you are loosed. From your infirmity. Now notice the result in verse 13. And he laid hands on her. And immediately she was made straight. And did what? She glorified God. Listen very carefully. Jesus just spoke the word over her. Laid hands on her. And that which had her bound. Had to go. And she was free and loose from that infirmity. You suppose Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever? You suppose he's still shutting demons down? You suppose he's still getting people loosed? Glory to God from all sorts of things? Amen. Now here's another key that we need to see. This woman didn't bring glory to God until after she was loosed. Amen. And you'll hear people say things like this. Well, God's just getting glory out of this sickness and this disease. You'll find right here that God didn't get any glory while she was sick, but he got all the glory when she got healed. Amen. So, but I want you to see Jesus using these keys. Now, let's look at some other ones. Now, again, this is not prayer here. You know, so many times when, when the master ministered to people, he really didn't pray for him. What he's doing is he's binding and he's loosing. How about the nobleman's son? Or the nobleman? He said of his son, here's what he said. He said, go your way, your son lives. Hallelujah. No prayer meeting. No counseling session. No going into the past and trying to have a healing of memories. No trying to figure out why this nobleman's son was bound. Jesus just took the keys and he said, go your way, your son lives. How about, how about Peter's mother-in-law? Peter's mother-in-law was sick of a fever, was she not? And what did Jesus do? He simply bound up the fever. He rebuked the fever. 
Rebuking fevers is not prayer. Rebuking fevers and cursing tumors and speaking to arthritis isn't prayer. It's commanding authority, which is a part of your keys. Amen. Some of you are going to get stirred up. Because you're going to, you, you might face something this week and you're going to remember this message. You say, I bind you devil in Jesus' name. Let's look at that. Let's look over at Luke chapter 4. We're not in a big hurry tonight. I wonder if fevers can hear. You suppose mountains can hear? How about cancers? Can they hear? Well, over here in Luke chapter 4, in uh, the 38th verse, we see something really clear here. Thank you, Jesus. Luke 4, 38. Now he arose, I'm reading from the New King James tonight. He arose from the synagogue and entered into Simon's house. But Simon's mother was sick with a high fever. And they made request of him concerning here, her. So he stood over her, cried and prayed half the night. No, he stood over her and rebuked the devil and rebuked the fever. And it left her. And immediately she arose. And what did she do? Can fevers hear? Evidently, when Jesus bound up the fever and loosed the power of God, it heard because the Bible says it left her immediately. Glory to God. And she didn't lay around in bed expecting people to serve her, poor dear, because she had had a fever and she'd been laid up. No, the Bible says she rose up immediately and ministered to them. Here's a key right here for sick people. If people really want to be healed, sometimes they got to just turn the stupid television off. Stop getting checks from the government sometimes. Amen. And just get about it. And rise up. I'm telling you, once God touches you, it's time to be about your father's business. So again, Jesus spoke the word of the Lord over her. So Jesus gave you the keys and he enables you and enables me to operate just like he did. Not this, oh, please God and getting this little whine and oh God, oh, 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 oh Jesus, Jesus. That's just a bunch of doubt and unbelief. Now there is a real spirit of intercession But it's not in the flesh. Amen. So, I think oftentimes, Christians, instead of praying so much, they ought to be saying more. You got some against prayer meetings? No, I believe in prayer meetings. But I think we ought to be prayed up and worded up. So that when, when something comes up, we just take the keys and exercise our authority. In the name of Jesus and in the word of God. Amen. Amen. Pastor Hagen touched on this. Look at Mark eleven twenty three. Mark eleven twenty three. 
He says this, For verily I say unto you, speaking to us, whatever you bind on earth, for verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, do what? Oh God, please move the mountain. Oh Jesus, do something about this cancer. Oh, 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 oh God. You know? No. Jesus said, for verily I say unto you, that whoever says to this mountain, be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not do what? Doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he says will be done, what's he going to have? He's going to have whatsoever he saith. But again now, you have the responsibility to speak to the mountain. You're either speaking to the mountain or the mountain speaking to you. Aren't you glad to know that you've been given dominion and authority over mountains? What do you mean dominion and authority over mountains? You've been given the measure of mountain moving faith. Amen. And in James 4, 7, here's another example of using the keys. James 4, 7 says, submit yourself therefore to what? To God. You resist the devil and the devil will flee from you. That's the same way of saying whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth is loosed in heaven. I'm saying all this to you tonight to just give you a faith refresher to let you know that you have been given keys of authority. Keys of the kingdom. Well, let's look at this man uh, born of four. In Luke chapter 5, let's look over there in verse 17. Luke 5 verse 17. It says, And it came to pass on a certain day as he was teaching that there were Pharisees and doctors of the law sitting by, which were come out of every town of Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem, and what was there to heal them? The power of the Lord was present to heal them. Now, not all of them got healed because them were there to try to catch Jesus at something. But thank God, behold, in verse 18, men brought in a bed a man which was taken with a palsy, and they sought means to bring him in and to lay him before him. And when they could not find by what way they might bring him in because of the multitude, they went up upon the housetop and let him down through the tiling with his couch in the midst before Jesus. And verse 20 says, and when Jesus saw their faith, can you see faith? Yes, you can. You can see the action of faith. Jesus saw their faith. And he said unto him, man, thy sins are forgiven thee. And of course, the doctors of the law and the scribes and all those religious people standing by were questioning. And verse 21 says, And the scribes and the Pharisees began to reason. Listen, folks, reason pushes the power away. Faith receives the power. Amen? Reason pushes it away. That's why they didn't get healed. And they said, Who is this which speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But Jesus perceived their thoughts and answering said unto them, why reason you in your hearts? And then he goes on to say, whether it's easier to say, everyone say to say, thy sins be forgiven thee or to say, 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 rise up and walk. 
And then he says, okay, guys, but that you may know that I have power upon earth. I've got keys here. I've got keys. I've got power upon earth to forgive sins. And so he said to the sick of the palsy, I do what? I say unto thee, arise, take up thy couch and go into your house. And now notice in verse 25. Did you wear your shouting clothes tonight? Verse 25, let's read it together. And immediately he rose up before them and took up that whereon he lay and departed to his own house. You see that principle? After he got healed, he glorified God. Is God glorified when people are full of sickness and disease? No. God gets no glory out of that. God gets glory when people get healed. Amen. So this man, he was laying down, but all of a sudden he rose up, departed in his own house, glorifying God. Amen. This is a miracle. And it didn't come by praying, it came by saying. Now, you just don't say things flippantly because you heard a message and you can have what you say. You've got to live a consecrated life before God. Amen? Those things are often taken for granted. But you just don't utilize your faith like Jesus utilized his faith if you're half in and half out. This belongs to people that are all in. This belongs to people that are seekers first of the kingdom of God. Amen? This belongs to people just like you and just like me. Amen? Well, somebody said, well, I'm going to believe God for 10 million oil wells. I'm going to say I have $10 billion. Well, it's not working. Why? Because a person doesn't believe it in his heart. Doesn't say it according to the word of God. Now, notice another one. Let's look at the pool of Bethesda. Look over at John chapter 5. John, the fifth chapter, get ready, saints. We're going to see more miracles by simply binding and simply by loosing than we've ever seen before. Get ready, church. The word of God is going forth here and people are just going to be released and loosed from addictions, released and loosed from all sorts of sickness, all sorts of demonic torment and all sorts of oppression by the saints of God speaking God's word over them. Glory to God. And by the anointing of the Holy Ghost. So in in John chapter 5 and verse 1, it says, And there, this there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. He went up because it was up. Now there is at Jerusalem by the sheep market a pool, which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of impotent folk. Not important, but impotent. Of blind and halt and withered. And what were they waiting for? They, they were waiting for the moving of the water. It's like a lot of people today. They're waiting for the move of the Holy Spirit to come on the scene. I'm telling you, the Holy Ghost is already here. The comfort has already come. We are in revival. Amen. The glory is here. I don't care whether you can see it, feel it, taste it or touch it. I'm telling you, the glory of God is here. And we're sons of glory. Hallelujah. And Jesus Christ is in us the hope of glory. Amen. 
So in these lay a great multitude of impotent folk, a blind halt withered, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at the certain season into the pool and troubled the water. Whosoever then first after the troubling of the water stepped in was made whole of whatever disease he had. And a certain man was there which had an infirmity how many years? You know, an infirmity in a person's body for 38 years is a long time. I mean, it's a long time. But Jesus came to save to the uttermost. I like what T.D. Jace says. He says he even came to save to the guttermost. Amen. He'll pull people right out of their circumstance and their situation that they've been bound with for years. Amen. I know what I'm talking about. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Been a long time in that case. 38 years. Think about it. We may have some saints that have been bound for 38 years and they come into this place and they leave just completely gloriously healed. Amen. I'm believing for it. How about you? I'm believing for it. I'm expecting it to happen. Amen. And so Jesus in verse six, six said this, when Jesus saw him lie there and knew that he had been a long time in that case, said unto him, what did he ask him? You know, that's a perfectly legitimate question. Did you know that? I've asked that question to drug addicts before. I've asked that question to people who have been in circumstances for a long time in their marriage. Do you desire your marriage to be whole? Are you willing to be free from those drugs? Do you desire to be free from pornography? Because as long as people don't have a strong desire to be free, they'll find a way to stay bound. It's true. Amen. Just remember that now. Because the devil will run you ragged trying to help people that quite frankly don't want help. Oh my. Absolutely. Okay. They'll want you to counsel them till, the, till you're blue in the face and all drained out. And never come to church. Never be in a prayer meeting. Bless their darling hearts and their stupid heads. People got to want to be free. People got a desire to be made whole. Hallelujah. We might as well just make it plain. Oh, pastor, pray for me. Pray for me that the Lord, the Lord will take this away from me. The Lord don't want your drugs. He don't want your computer full of pornography. Oh, Jesus, Jesus, pray, Lord, take this from me. No, he's not going to take anything from you. He's already delivered you. He's already set you free. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy him that had the power of death. That is the devil. Amen. Your freedom, your redemption has already been bought and paid for. It's time to rise up and move in and take it. It's like that one man did. Take up your bed and follow me. Amen. Now, no, I'm not speaking to a bunch of people that are bound to that, but I'm getting warmed up for Sunday morning. There may be a couple here tonight. I don't know. 
<laughs> Wilt thou be made whole? John Osteen used to preach a message called, How strong is your want to? How much do you want to be out of debt? How much do you want to lose that weight? How strong is your want to? We just entered into the middle zone. Verse 7. The impotent man answered and said, Sir, I have no man. And here's a problem in charismatic circles. There are too many people with their eyes on man. Man is not your healer. As anointed as some men and women are in the earth today, the moment you put your confidence and your faith in them, you've drawn attention to man and it short circuits the power and it grieves the Holy Spirit. It's the man, Christ Jesus. It's the man, Jesus Christ. And that's not to to say that we don't honor men and women of God, apostles and prophets and pastors and teachers. We should. But above all, we should be honoring Him. And above all, our eyes should be on Him. Amen? Amen? So he said, Sir, I don't have any man. When the water is troubled to put me into the pool... But while I'm coming, someone steals my front row seat. (laughs) While I'm coming, another steps down before me. Here's what Jesus did. Jesus, he didn't have a prayer meeting. He didn't counsel this guy. Jesus said, everyone say, Jesus said. Here's what he said. Rise. Rise. Take up thy bed. And walk. Now notice this. And immediately. The man was made whole. And took up his bed. And walked. And on the same day was the Sabbath. So in summation tonight. I realize I've spoke long enough. So in summation What is he doing? What is Jesus showing us? He's showing us how to shut the devil down. And how to release and loose the power of God. He's using the keys. Somebody says, that was Jesus. I would remind you tonight that we are called Christians. Christians. We are Christians. Chuns who follow the Christ. And if we're going to follow the Christ Mm -hmm. and be his disciples, we need to follow his example by utilizing these glorious keys that have been given to us. Hallelujah. What I want to say to you tonight is you're supposed to be shutting some things down. You're supposed to be loosing some things in your life. In the kingdom of God, we are supposed to be living like this. You know, if it needs to be bound, bind it. 
If it needs to be loosed, loose it. Charles Capps used to say that this way. If bind a gnome, fix it, loose it. Amen. Stop permitting it. Stop that mental torment. Stop that oppression. Stop that worry. Shut the devil down. Put your foot down and bind up lack. And loose the finances that belong to you. There's plenty of money out there in the world. You just release your faith and loose it and command it to come to you. He says, Pastor Mark, do you have some big denomination back in you? Is that how you guys have made it for all these 35 years? No, I've got bigger, someone bigger than a denomination. I've got the bigger one. I've got El Shaddai, the God who's more than enough. But not only that, I've got angels. And I'm going to tell you right now, I prophesy this. The angels are working right now on behalf of this church. They are divinely connecting to us to divine appointments. And the angels are even working, causing supernatural and divine favor to come our way. And not only that, the angels are working and they're bringing influence on our behalf. And big checks and big money is coming our way. Amen. Glory to God. So how can you say that? You want me to say it again? I'm not being cocky. I'm just telling you this works. This works. This works for people like you and people like me that have hearts for God. Amen. We're not trying to impress anyone around here. We're just trying to advance his cause in the earth. We're not trying to pay this building off so we can strut at a minister's meeting and say, hey, we're debt free. No, we want to be debt free so we can give more to the nations. We want to be debt free so we can add more people to help us around here. We want to be debt free so that we can further the cause of Christ in the earth. That's why we live. That's why we breathe. We're eating, we're breathing, we're sleeping souls. You want revival? Let the power flow in this church. You want miracles? Just let the power, let everybody say what God said. Woo, hallelujah. Is that us? Well, somebody says, that's Jesus, Pastor. That's Jesus. Well, we got more here. One more, John 14, 12. John, the 14th chapter and the 12th verse. You look at John 14 and you look at a couple verses beyond 12 and you will see exactly how you can accomplish things by demanding the enemy to take his filthy, stinking hands off your body, off your mind. He said, if you shall demand anything in my name, I will do it. That's not prayer. That's the faith demand. That's the faith command. That word literally ask there in John 14, 14, that word ask means require. Require. When, when Peter and John went up to the gate beautiful at the hour of prayer, they said to that man, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. What were they doing? They were requiring of those bones in that man to come together and to be whole. Hallelujah. Woo! 
glory to God. That's the kind of faith we've got. And that's the kind of faith we're going to be using and releasing. John 14, 12, enough for tonight. Let's read it together. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he do also. And what? Greater works. Greater works. Then these shall you do and shall we do because Jesus went to the Father and he handed us the keys of the kingdom of heaven.